Hello and welcome to the Bucket List Gamers Annual Awards Ceremony for 2023. I am Jay and I am joined as always by Eddie. Hello. Today we're going to go through some award categories and hand out our awards for the end of the year. We're going to go through the nominees, give a little bit of background as to why they've been nominated and then announce the winner of each category. So no game from the list this episode, so if that's what you're here for, sorry. But we're we're having Christmas off and we're giving you a bit of a treat because this will be more fun than any of those episodes anyway. And we have incorporated some aspects of the list. So I will hand you over to Eddie to announce the first category and the nominees. I feel underdressed. I feel like I should have worn like a suit with coattails <laughs> and a bow tie for this. Um, I mean, or, we're both no, pretty much dying, so it'll yeah, be the fair. sniffliest awards ceremony you've ever heard. But <laughs> we, we'll make the best of it. Outside of a Hollywood one where they're obviously sniffing because of all the cocaine. Um, <laughs> so That's about that, first... the better. <laughs> so our first category for today is the most surprising game that we had out of the bucket list gamers games. So what we reviewed and what we found most surprising. And the nominees are, so we've kind of mixed it up a little bit. So we've gone for some games that surprised us for good reasons in that we thought they were going to be shit and they were less shit than we thought they were going to be and games on the other hand that were awful that we were or not quite as good as we were expecting them to be because of all the hype surrounding them and ones that just didn't quite hit the mark with us so we have got warcraft star wars knights of the old republic jet set willy slash manic minor because that was sort of one episode so cover those together uh castlevania symphony of the night and super mario kart if you've been listening along with us this year, it probably isn't difficult to work out which one of those we are going positive and which negative. But just to clear things up, Knights of the Old Republic was my choice for surprising game that was negative because I'd heard so many good things about it and I just didn't get on with it at all. I can see the impact it's had and why people would like it, but just for me, I was expecting something a lot easier to play for a start. The The control scheme killed it for me almost straight away and I just couldn't get back from that. My other choice for positive was Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I'd never really properly played a modern Castlevania game, in inverted commas, because it's still pretty old. And I really enjoyed that one, so that one surprised me positively. Warcraft was a bit of a joint decision, because although we knew it was probably quite good and we'd never dabbled with it, doing that episode with Austin was so much fun. I mean, again, thanks Austin for coming on and, and talking to us about it. We enjoyed that one so much it actually made us both want to play it. And although we've not got around to it yet, I think it is something that's going to happen at some point. So that was those three. And, and then, Eddie, I'll let you explain your, your two on the list there. Yeah, so so my two were for... So for the one that surprised me the most were Jet Set Willie and Manic Miner, mostly because I hadn't really heard of them outside of doing this list. I hadn't. It's not something that had cropped up to me uh, in my gaming life. And I was surprised at how much... One, how much fun the game looked to play and how competently designed it was overall for one guy sat in his bedroom just hot-wiring uh, a load of stuff together to see if he could get it to work and for how long we got out an episode out of it because we thought we were sort of waded in with confidence to a lot of episodes, got halfway through and went, we're literally out of things to say <laughs> whether positive or negative so yeah that was one that surprised me and then the one that surprised me in a bad way was super mario kart 
So I am a huge Mario Kart fan, and I started playing from like the N64 sort of period onwards, and then having played a bit of and watched quite a lot of Super Mario Kart, the diff, the jump in quality <laughs> when it comes to that game and Mario Kart 64, and let's not get started on the fact that it made you bilious. Um <laughs> <laughs> So yes, th- those were the uh, nominations for for this list. I think the only game on the list that has made me feel genuinely sick. Some came close, but that one did actually. I, I thought I'm gonna have to stop playing this, else I might actually be ill. So I think there are a couple of others I mentioned that did something similar, but that one really sticks in the mind as being like, no, I can't do any more of this. It's too much. So without further ado, I think it's time to. Reveal the winner of this category. Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy. Can you tell we're getting the money out of the soundboard on this episode? <laughs> We've really planned this one to get the most amount of value out of this soundboard. So yeah, it, it, I mean, if you look at the rest of them, Warcraft was probably the only one that came close, I would say, to winning it. And we wanted to start on a positive as well, rather than picking one that surprises <laughs> in a negative way. Because as you'll see as the categories go on, there's quite a lot of negativity in our <laughs> awards ceremony this year. So we wanted to start off with a positive. And it, and it really was. I mean, the fact that he did it at the age he did as well, made those two games at such a young age as well, just blew me away. And and. We come into these episodes not really wanting to upset anyone, I think it's fair to say, but we also want to give our opinions. And looking at when we did Jet Set Willy, before we realised more about it, I was like, if this guy ever on the off chance listens to what we're going to say about these games, he's not going to be happy. But then the more we looked into it, the more we were like, actually, no, we've got some really nice things to say about it and, it, and it's fair enough. And yeah, same goes for any game, really. We never aim to upset anyone or like if you've got a different opinion to us, great. That's your opinion and we're not going to argue on it. It's just these are all our opinions and it turns out that our opinion of Jet Set Willy and Manic Miner is actually very high for people who don't really enjoy the game games of that age anymore. I mean, I grew up on them a little bit, but I struggle to go back and play them now. But that was actually really one that, we looked at it and went, wow, actually, yeah, there's a lot of effort gone in. The graphics look pretty cool. The sound for its time is pretty cool. It plays pretty well, apart from the two big game-breaking bugs that were released in it, but we won't mention those. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. The other ones, they, they were worthy of winners' titles because Castlevania Symphony of the Night is rightly regarded as the best Castlevania game. Warcraft, again... Do you either measure it on the total number of people that have spent the time on it or the body count of the neglected children because people <laughs> don't want to sort of leave it and because of the addictive quality to it? But it is it is one of those games that's brought gaming media to the forefront of people's attention, really. You mention Warcraft to anybody, it's like instantly know what it is. I think it's fair to say about Warcraft that it almost stands alone. It's not. I know there's loads of MMORPGs, but not Warcraft. It, it sets itself apart so well from everything else, and it the it's the original that got that 
size and like you say that mainstream attention and it's hard to judge it against anything else in the gaming world because it's just so much of its own thing that it, it deserved a mention in there and it, it could have in theory technically won but I just we we knew going into it that it probably would be our cup of tea and we just avoided it so we didn't get sucked into it all and and end up getting addicted to it so that's why we decided not to go with that one but it was a close run thing yeah and every every so often you sort of get these games that do come out that sort of try and take its crown and it never works i don't know why because it's been going on for decades now and you'd think people were bored of it i know there's a level of investment there that i've put 20 years of my life into this i don't want to try anything else but it's something's to come along at some point or you would think that something would come along at some point and dethrone it like completely topple it and nothing has and there's stuff with like massive fan bases so there have been star wars ones there have been city of heroes ones which was dc and and everything has tried and tried and tried to be the that mmo and just nothing has worked i don't know what it is that warcraft does that's different to everything else but it just yeah everything sort of clicks whatever it's doing it's a testament to how well it's doing it that you can have like fallout and elder scrolls absolutely die on their ass when they first come out because they've not done whatever that magic formula is they've got the fan base sat there waiting to play exactly this kind of game and for whatever reason, be it they didn't put enough content in or it wasn't as much fun or it was glitchy or whatever, these two massive games with these huge fan bases, admittedly both under Bethesda aren't exactly renowned for putting out polished products straight away, despite what I said about StarCraft a few weeks ago, they failed miserably at first. And I know they've pulled it round and Elder Scrolls is now quite a popular one and Fallout 76 is doing better than it did but still not amazing but yeah warcraft never i don't know if it was like that in the early days maybe and we just we don't know that but it never seems to have that dip does it or that decline its fan base is there and they're just there for it and that's it yeah i I don't recall any sort of negative press about it ever apart from the number of expansions that they've obviously churned out and they've they've redone like massive resets, like quite continuous, haven't they? Just to sort of draw in a new crowd. But again, nothing like to the point where people are like, oh, never playing that again. Yeah, other than the South Park episode, which even then is sort of done in jest, and and it's yeah. not a serious thing. I was watching a thing. There's a guy on YouTube who's I don't know if he's paying to be on everyone's feeds or whether it's just organic, and I see him a lot. But he's the son of the guy who started Blizzard, I think, or he's he's in some way connected to the guy, and he was. On, I assume this is true because he didn't at any point in this little short video on YouTube say that it was a lie. You know the guy in South Park with the like the slob who sat in the chair and like yeah. gets really angry because the kids are beating him. That's based on his dad, the guy who started Blizzard, <laughs> and Trey and Matt were like got in touch with him to talk to him about how they could do that episode and he like joined in with them and, and helped them write it and they put him in it in that episode so if he wasn't lying that is like pretty amazing and it just proves that it's almost in jest and not actually having a go at the game I suppose it's just picking up on all the traits of people who play it isn't it and magnifying them massively so yeah there was that but now I think worthy winner there 
and Warcraft could have come close. Honourable mention for that one. So let's move on to our second category, and I'll do the honours for this one. As I said, plenty of negativity in this uh, <laughs> in this awards show, and we're getting straight into it with biggest disappointment of 2023. And the nominees are Jedi Survivor, controversial we know, but we'll get to that. Gollum, speaks for itself. Redfall, the Sonic Origins re-release, and Atomic Heart. I'm sure you can guess which one I pushed for <laughs> before we even get into it. I'll just cover it off. Sonic Sonic Origins technically didn't come out in 2023. It came out in 2021, I think it was. But they re-released it in 2023 and stitched everybody up who bought the highest tier in the original one, a.k.a. me, and loads of other people. So that's why I'm not... If, if you don't know this full story, I can't remember what episode it was in now. Go and listen to a few older episodes. You'll find it. Essentially, they got you to pay for a load of stuff with the promise of new characters, never released any new characters, and then when they re-released it, included the new characters, but you had to pay for it again, as well as stuff you'd already paid for in the first place, if you bought the highest tier. That's why I nominated it. Atomic Heart was a joint decision, because we both expected massive things from it, and it was crap and boring. And I think we've been vindicated by the fact that you don't hear anything about it. I've not heard a single thing about it since like the week it came out. Not no. positive or negative. I've not seen YouTubers playing it. I've not seen press that they're doing updates or DLC or that it's the best game ever or it's the worst game. It's just nothing. It's just meh. And that, for me, is the most disappointing thing of all because it had so much potential. Yeah, and I mean, even... Even in years gone where there have been like an overwhelming number of amazing games and stuff just gets lost in the sort of the miasma of everything that's just sort of come out, you still remember the majority of stuff that did come out, whether good or bad in those years, and to not even think about it anymore, despite the build-up for it and despite the fact that it was supposed to be the next Bioshock and it came out, and it just wasn't, just wasn't that at all. Even when we were putting this list together, we were like, "Oh, what about Atomic Heart?" <laughs> Even oh, we'd yeah. forgotten about it, and we did practically a full episode on it. Gollum again speaks for itself. Terrible. Redfall was meant to be this new Left for Dead with vampires, wasn't it? And they did Back for Blood, and it sort of went all right, and then they announced. Bethesda announced Redfall, which was going to be the same thing, but with vampires instead of zombies. And it was just awful when it released. It was buggy, it was glitchy, the frame rates were all over the place, and it just doesn't look fun to play. And as far as I know, despite multiple patches, it's just never really got any better. Jedi Survivor, I'm going to let you take this one, Eddie, because I haven't played it, and I was really looking forward to playing it, but it wasn't on Game Pass, and it wasn't something I wanted to particularly spend money on because I expected it would go on there because the first one did. So I'm still waiting to play it, and I thought it had been really well received, which I think it has. But Eddie's got his reasons, so we will let him go through this before we reveal the winner of this category. Yeah, so uh, self-professed Star Wars nerd, and it is a good game. Uh, and this, uh, the majority of this list is going to be incredibly subjective, um, as you'd expect, because it's our lists of 2023. But this game royally pissed me off. To the point where, so I've done the main quest, done it all, fab, lovely. I'm a bit of a completion nut, 
So I like, if I enjoy a game, I do like to go around, do all the side quests, collect all the shots that they pepper the games with these days in lieu of making more plot. They just give you random bullshit to go and find. And I have run into a particularly unpleasant bug on the control pad. You need to be able to press R1 and one of the face buttons to use a force power, either force lift or force slam, and my R button won't work, and it's not the controller that's at fault, because I've swapped pads, and the R buttons work in other games. So I literally can't force lift or force slam anything, and also BD1 no longer listens to me, so if you press down on the B, uh, the D-pad, he you are supposed to be able to activate sort of either like a um, electric uh, shock charge effect, or he like fires this little mill. It basically just charges um, like little pebbles and launches them into the scenery, so you can create like chains of this um, effect from one of the like igneous rocks uh, that's in the game. And I can't do either now. So, and unfortunately, in order to get to bounty missions, I need to be able to use BD one and the little. B- it isn't listening to me and upon upon checking out out sort of workarounds it is a massively known glitch and it is game breaking on consoles it is fixable on pc version so if you do have the pc version and you run into this bug just remap your controls to your keyboard just use another button that isn't used in the game on the pad because of obviously finite number of buttons you, if you remap it, it still doesn't work. And then if you try and change it back to the button that it should be, the button that you swapped in instead now doesn't work. So say, for example, at the minute... <laughs> yeah, it's great. So say, for example, you swap out the R1 button for the X button. The X button is jump. So if you remap it to X, X doesn't work. So it, it just doesn't allow you to use like um, the force uh, ability then if you remap it again jump no longer works if you press x so the only thing you have to do is restore default setting on the controller and it reset it remaps x to jump and it works but the other buttons don't Still so you can't remap it at all it's six months down the line it is an ea it's a triple a title it is a known bug one of many to the point where like collectibles are showing up as you can collect them because there's a little glint in the heads-up display and you can't pick it up. So you just can't do anything with that collectible. And EA just haven't patched any of them and they've done a load of patch updates and stuff like that and none of the game-breaking bugs have been fixed. And that's why it's my disappointment. (laughs) Is this a save file issue? Like, if you started a brand new game, would the controls work again? Yep. Or does it brick the whole game and you have to delete all no, your no. save data? No, it, it just you'd be able to specific. redo it. Yeah, um, but obviously there is a chance that you will get so far through the game and it will do it again. The winner of this category is... Atomic Heart. <laughs> It, it could have gone to any of them. I think, apart from Sonic Origins, I was just being a bit petty with that one. But it, it really could have gone to any of them. 
specifically for the reasons you've just mentioned for Jedi Survivor, as good as it is, you can't leave a game-breaking bug in for six months and not expect to receive some criticism for it, as good as your game is. And there'll be there'll be hundreds of people who don't ever experience it, but for those people who do, and it's, it's usually a common thing in Bethesda games, isn't it? A mission will glitch out and you can't finish that mission and it might have a really good reward or it might be a storyline progression or something like that and it just kills your whole playthrough and there's nothing more frustrating than having to redo stuff you've already done when it isn't your fault. If it's your choice to go back and start a game again, you quite enjoy it, but if you're forced to go and do it again, which is what happened with me and Paper Mario, if you remember, it just my whole game bugged out and I had like 16 hours and I'm like, I'm not doing 16 hours again. Not when I, I know every beat. And the issue for me as well is that you can never get it the same. So less so probably with Jedi Survivor, but with with Paper Mario in particular, you get all the badges and stuff. And I was like, I'll never get the same combination of badges that I had and and the same win ratios and all that and the level ups and stuff. So that's why I packed it in. So yeah, I can completely understand that. But it's too hard to look past Atomic Heart for being disappointing because we had such high hopes for it. And I just I don't I can't think of anything I really enjoyed about the game. Mm. The enemies were generic, albeit a little bit weird. I'll give them that. The writing was cringy in places and just boring in others. It was at least up to the point we played it, which, I mean, we gave it a good three hours or something, didn't we? It's not like we just played 20 minutes and went, no, it's not for us. Still linear by that point and not very open world, which those kind of games I feel like need to be to an extent. And I know Bioshock was linear, but it had so much more going for it. And and Atomic Heart just and, and then like to put in like the I know it makes me sound prudish and I'm far from that, but like the the raunchy vending machine thing, it was just weird. And like I was embarrassed. I was sat playing it and my partner walked in and I was like, What must you think I'm sat playing? When cause it, it and I was like, No, it's it's not for me this. So yeah, we couldn't really look past that because it's just so nothing. It's not a bad game, but it's not fun either. And that's the biggest crime you can commit for me. At least with some bad games, they can be fun. Yeah. Like this one, just there's nothing. It's just, and to have that such high expectation for it, because we saw it before we even started recording this, we were talking about it, weren't we, coming out? It was like years in the making talking about this game. Then it just came out and it's like, ugh, no, it's, it's just a bit rubbish. So I think vindicated in that selection. Colin, people didn't expect it to be good, so I think that's why that didn't get biggest disappointment, because I think there's only really true Lord of the Rings fans, but I, we said, didn't we, it was coming off the back of two really good games in the Shadow of Mordor ones, yep. so you sort of feel like, oh, they're on a roll with the Lord of the Rings games, and then they give you that, and it is a bit of a disappointment, and then Redfall, same story really, it's Bethesda, so it could have gone either way, and it just so happened to go the terrible side of things. Yeah, and the Redfall thing for me was even more surprising because it was by Arcane Studios. And Arcane brought Dishonored and Dishonored 2. Granted, it had Deathloop, which was less good, but the pedigree behind Dishonored and Dishonored 2, you know, like the Xbox 360's most highly ranked games on its vast library... Um, and then to come out with something that was just so insultingly generic and 
glitchy and bland, <laughs> which I know is par for the course for Bethesda, but not for Arcane. Yeah. And just for the record, which is probably an episode in itself, I hate the Dishonored games. That's so <laughs> it's just they're too stealthy for me. I've said it a million times. I don't get on with stealth. And I know you sort of got a choice in those games. You're allowed to play it unstealthily, but that's how you get the worst ending, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. So they're telling me I can't play it the way I want to play it because that's bad and I don't like that. I got the first one because it was Bethesda and I thought oh, it's going to be like Skyrim and then I played it for about three hours, four hours, did a few missions and I was like, it's not bad, the storyline's decent, but I just can't be sneaking around. I've not got the patience for it these days. Life is fleeting and I ain't got time <laughs> to be just tinkering around guards and stuff. I just want to run in and smash him. The third category... I will hand over to Eddie to announce this one and the candidates. So we have got the most surprising video game of 2023. And that's not from our list. That is from just general releases throughout the year. And the cat- the candidates are Baldur's Gate 3. Personal nomination. Rogue Legacy 2. High on Life. Cult of the Lamb. And Inscription. So I'll I'll kick off with Baldur's Gate 3 because I know you have no interest in it at all. It's, it's um, not that I have no interest, it's genuinely that I've never played one of those games before and I, I had a fleeting interest in it and I think it's like a tenner at the minute if you um, if you buy it and say you're from Egypt and install it on your Xbox and I was I was considering it but it's just, I don't know, I, I think it's it requires too much time from me at the minute that I don't have. And I also think I was I was in a shop in town buying some Lorcana cards, which is a whole different kettle of fish. And this guy came in who was obviously massively into Baldur's Gate and the guy behind the till was as well. And some of the stuff that they were saying was like they were speaking a different language. And <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. And like I, it's not even like I can hazard a guess. They were talking about using barrels in battle or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. And and I was listening to it, I was like, I don't get this. And I'm, I don't think I'm going to do if I get the game. I'm just not going to understand what's happening. <laughs> so that put me off a little bit. But it is one that I would... I think it's one that I'd like to try with somebody who knows what they're doing rather than just buying it and trying to figure it out myself. So not against it, but yeah, you've, you've got much more experience on it than I have. Well, I, I used to watch one of my mates play... Baldur's Gate 1, back on the PC, back when it was hideous pixels and brutal difficulty, and it just looked so dry and boring and an air quotes nerd game. You could, it, It's the thing that you can see people getting upset and arguing over in like a dank, dark comic book shop where they're just <laughs> getting pissed with each other because someone said they don't like a particular species or something like that and it's it's one of those games and I was a bit reluctant about uh, Baldur's Gate 3 however I know that there's been a massive sort of uptake in Dungeons and Dragons like tabletop role playing games and stuff like that I watch a couple of them on YouTube so there's um, what used to be The Escapist which is now Second Wind do one and that's really good because it's got a couple of people that I like to watch when they do video game reviews sort of thing. And that's really good. And then there are loads of sort of spin-off like uh, 
D20 do their own version of it and there's so the one of the guys who's the voice actor for one of the characters in both Baldur's Gate 3 and he does the voice acting for Ganondorf in uh, Tears of the Kingdom it runs his own D&D table and his are really good um, and it is what you'd expect but it's so much better I think you do need to be with someone who has sort of a basic understanding of what build to have for your first character. I mean, I am completely passive in my experience of Baldur's Gate 3. I haven't played it. My other half has played it. My other half is about 30 hours in and I sit with her and I will will sit and discuss decisions that we need to make or how to solve a puzzle or, oh, I wouldn't really say that to that character, but what happens if you say this? And the responses you can give are fantastic from anything. And I know they give you the illusion in other games of choice and decisions and your decisions matter and your decisions have consequences. This they genuinely do. You upset somebody, they'll either stove your head in or you'll have to kill them and then they've had a whole quest line mapped out for them and you don't get to experience that anymore. But it is it is just, oh, I want to know what's down this corridor. I want another 20 minutes of this game. And then it's three in the morning and you've got to be up for work in four hours. That kind of game. And just to throw a cheap plug in there while you were mentioning D&D and offline gaming, if you're a fan of tabletop games rather than video games, you can check out bucketlistboardgamers.com, our sister podcast that looks at the more analog side of things with board games. We haven't done anything on D&D, but I think it will be coming eventually. So there may be an episode on that at some point in the future. We've got a Christmas episode of that probably out now, hopefully out now, fingers crossed. So you can go over and listen to that on there as well. But back to this. So we got so a bit of a caveat with Rogue Legacy 2 and Inscription. Technically didn't come out in 2023, came out quite a bit earlier. However, I think the Xbox version of Inscription came out this year, and it is one of my favourite games ever, so I had to sneak it in on there. And Rogue Legacy 2, same, I think. I think it was the Xbox and PlayStation versions that came out this year. And again, one of my favourite games. I put hours and hours into the first one. And the second one, just the the whole reason I've put it on as most surprising is because it's so different, the second one, to the first one. I expected they could have quite easily churned out the first game again with a couple of classes, new classes, and changed the area layouts a little bit or the backgrounds or the style of the areas and the enemies and done, job done. There's about 20 new classes. They all handle differently. They've all got extra moves now. You can collect those little soul things, can't you, to upgrade certain elements. And there's like it's like three times as big as the first game, and that surprised me because I thought, they might just phone it in and go, oh, here's more of the same, which would have been fine. I'd have been perfectly happy with that because I love the first game to bits and I've still never finished it. So more of the same would have been fine by me, but they didn't. They went that extra mile. And then Inscription is just, I really want to do an episode on it, but I don't want to ruin it for anyone who's never played it. And it's so easy to ruin that game by telling you bits of it that I can't, but it's such a good game. I mean, even if it was just the card game, that it starts out as, that would be enough for me to still say it's one of my favourite games because it's so good. But how much further it goes than that, and I can't say any more, is just, it's one of the most surprising games I've ever played. So anyway, I could crowbar it onto this list. I was getting it in there. 
And then, yeah, High on Life was just, it just came out of nowhere, didn't it? So we, we were like, oh, that's surprising because I'd never heard of it. Didn't know it was in production, didn't know it was being made, nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's there and it was a really good game. So I will hand back to Eddie to announce the winner of this category. And the winner is High on Life, surprisingly enough. Congratulations. I've got uh, more than one soundbite for winners. <laughs> uh, but to your point, it was it was completely left of field. It, it's not even like it was on the coattails of Rick and Morty, because mm. Rick and Morty's sort of peak was a couple of years back, especially with the whole incident with just and whoa, everything that's whoa, gone whoa, on whoa. there. I don't, don't think we can say that. Somebody whose name rhymes with Mustin and Moyland. <laughs> Let's just let's go with that just in case. He's no longer spearheading the Rick and Morty side of things, is he? So they have replaced him in terms of writing and voice acting. Um and now and then this just sort of came out of nowhere. It was before the the stuff that went on though, wasn't it, I think? Because it, it was, is still yeah. him that's in the game. And it's obvious that it's him in the game. Because if you could have why they didn't make this a Rick and Morty game is the thing that confuses me a little bit because it is pretty much a Rick and Morty game. You've got characters in it that are practically from the Rick and Morty universe, although yeah. not, but as close as you could possibly get them. The voices are all pretty much the same, <laughs> just usually different characters. And with like, it would have been tiny little tweaks. Like instead of, they could have done a story where Morty got turned into a gun. Or something, because the main gun is just Morty's voice, isn't it? So they could have done that, and then they find all the other sentient guns. It could have been Rick that you're controlling instead of just this anonymous, random person. Or it could have even been, like, Summer or someone that you were controlling, or, like, a friend of Morty's and and then had Rick in it and stuff. So that's the only thing that really surprised me about it, other than how good it was, and it just came out of nowhere, is that they went for this original IP with it even though it's so close to a really successful IP that they've already got. But really good. I mean, I I, I don't mind first-person shooters. They wouldn't be top of my list, but I kind of like Doom and that kind of thing we've been into, Bioshock, all that. I do enjoy them. I love this game. I must have, I think I got about 20-odd hours in to finish it, and that was all within the space of a couple of weeks, which given I have like no free time most of the time, I was just making time to play this and like putting everything else on the back burner because I just enjoyed it so much. The writing was brilliant, the characters are brilliant, the little in jokes are brilliant. The weird stuff where you can just like take I won't say what you take off one of the aliens, but it's it's like an achievement for taking it off him and then it just never comes back into it ever again. And you just have this item in your inventory that you don't know what it's for. Just little bits like that, and then I think the one bit that really stuck in my head was you go into this like sewer town that they live underground and as you're walking in there's this little kid that like mocks you as you're going in and he's like oh i can't remember what he's calling you but he's he's laying into you from coming from the surface basically and he's calling you names and he's just a kid and you meant to ignore him i think but i shot him i shot his leg off and he died and then everyone's like kicks off at you for killing a kid and you have to go and tell his mum that you killed him and stuff and she's like oh well i always told him that mocking people from the surface and getting killed so it's fine and then she just like accepts it i was like this is brilliant you wouldn't get this in any other game it's just it's so much fun 
And if you've not played it and you've no particular um, hard feelings towards Mustin, I'd go and check this game out and give it a go. I think it was on Game Pass. I don't know if it still is. So I didn't even have to pay to play it either, which was another bonus. I think it is still on Game Pass, and that's how I experienced it. Um, because, again, wasn't wasn't even aware that it was coming out. I just saw it on Game Pass, and I was like, oh, what's the trailer for this? And I was like, why does this sound like Rick and Morty? Oh, that's why it sounds like Rick and Morty. <laughs> but it, like you say, it wouldn't have taken much. with Because, obviously, Rick and Morty is like a massive multiverse. To just have them appear briefly... Yeah. In the background, like, they've visited and they've set off a load of shit like they normally do, like a load of, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, a cock-up cascade sort of thing, and then they're just getting out of town while, as you're walking into it all, it wouldn't have been too far removed for them to have done that and keep it separate IP, but also still within the same universe. I wonder if there was ever plans for a DLC where they were going to make an appearance and then all this kicked off and it just put the mockers on it a bit because i think it was generally well received as well wasn't it it's not like it bombed or anything and we're just outliers mm-hmm. i think it went down really well so yeah nice i think it deserves the uh the most surprising game of 2023 i would have potentially lobbied to put it in one of the best games of 2023 but actually we've got some pretty stellar candidates in there and it just it wasn't hyped enough to get that award, as crazy as that sounds. If they'd yeah. have put a load of publicity behind this, I think it really could be up there. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite feature. So, moving on, and I seem to have got all the bad ones. The next category is most overpriced game of twenty twenty three, and the nominees are Sonic Origins. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, twisted that knife again. Spider Man Two. Metal Gear Collection, AW Fight Forever, FC24, the Final Fantasy Collector's Edition that was £369, and the Resident Evil 4 Special Edition, which was £249.99. And we've also thrown in, even though it's technically not a video game, the Pokemon Classic Collector's Edition, which was £400 when it came out. Yeah. So, a little bit of explanation to do on those last three. Yeah, the Pokemon thing, I don't know whether it's worth it or not. For me personally, not, because I don't have a separate house to store it in, because it is about the size of a car. It is absolutely ginormous. And, to be fair, the cards that are in it are all selling for more than the thing is worth, as is usually the trend with Pokemon. And if we had a bit more disposable income between the pair of us, I think we would have considered buying one of these and just selling it off piecemeal, all the different cards, yeah. and, and getting more back. But we just didn't have the time or the money to do that. Is it worth 400 quid? I wouldn't say so, personally. As nice a thing as it is, it's a lot. So that that's more than a console to spend on three decks of cards and a little board. Yeah. Um, I can see this being one of those things in a couple of years that is... If you find one and it's, you know, like in a bargain basement somewhere that someone's just trying to get shut off and it's like a couple of hundred quid, probably buy it because I can guarantee you, you look on eBay for an intact, still cellophaned one in a couple of years time, that is going to be like a grand, two grand, three grand, four grand, because people are, as you say, just ripping it open and selling the singles off because they're all holofoil, the... Aside from stuff like the Blastoise, the Venus, or the Charizard, they're all slightly different art 
to their base set because it was all it's all based on the original base set that came out in 1998 1999 so the artworks on the main three are those highly sought after ones from that base set that are still worth an absolute fortune these days but everything else is different and they're not just the original 151 it's pokemon from every other generation so you get stuff like lugir in there and uh, suicune and stuff like that so it like you say 400 pounds is a lot for just three decks of cards but they know what they're doing don't they yeah, <laughs> people will pay it. People have paid it, so it's one of those things. Now the other two, I don't know much about the Final Fantasy one, so I'll let you cover that. But the Resident Evil Four one, I was very tempted when I saw it, but it just for me, special editions are getting a bit out of hand, especially the ones that are digital only. So EA, FC, or FIFA each year is a digital special edition where you just get more packs, which is sort of fair enough. Because if you want to get into the Ultimate Team side of it, that's the best, cheapest way to get a kickstart when it comes out. WWE did similar. The last few of their games have been special edition digital-only ones, which I don't like because I used to love getting the physical wrestling ones where you got a piece of the ring or a piece of somebody's clothing or a figure. Or like one year you got a Hall of Fame ring, which was cheap as hell but it looked really cool and it's like I want all these bits of tap for my 200 quid or whatever it is I don't just want a load of DLC characters for the same price this Resident Evil 4 one was 250 quid and you got a statue and I think you might have got an iron on patch and something else and then the obligatory art book and for me 249.99 as nice as that statue is I just can't justify it if it had come with loads like the biggest one of the biggest regrets I've ever made is not buying that chainsaw edition that came yeah. out with Resi Four for the GameCube. You know that it had a chainsaw pad, didn't it, in like a display case, and I saw it for forty quid when we were at uni, and money was tightish, so I didn't buy it. And they sell for what, like five, six hundred quid now, yeah. even more if it's still perfect in the box. So. I did worry that this might be the same thing, but I just don't think a statue's as cool as a completely custom controller that looks like a chainsaw, and that was 40 quid. So I just couldn't warrant it. But it sold out, it flew out, it was really hard to get hold of. Not great if you ordered it from the guys in America, the ones that nearly went under and then everyone short-stopped their shares. GameStop, GameStop. is it? They took a load of pre-orders for it and then just rang them a week before and went, yeah, sorry, you're not getting it. Yay. And these were these were people that went into the store. They fulfilled all the online orders and stiffed the people who made an effort to go in and pre-order it in store. So that didn't go down well. So I think they'll be relatively hard to find, uh, and it probably wasn't the worst investment. But at face value, what you got for two hundred and fifty quid for me just made it incredibly overpriced. Yeah, uh, that that sort of marries up with the Final Fantasy sixteen one. To be fair. Because that again is you do get the usual tittering shit of a steel book and like a couple of banners and some badges and stuff like that. And it is the the main selling point is a statue of it looks like Ifrit, I think one of the summons, and it is a very nice statue. But I come back to the fact that it was nearly four hundred pounds for a collector's edition. That and I mean, don't get me wrong, I I like me a collector's edition. 
I've I've got stuff in here like I've got the Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, which came with the shitty Infinity Gems. Um, but that that cost me thirty quid, and yeah. I've got others in here that cost me sixty or seventy or eighty quid. I have never, I don't, I would, I think I would be hard pushed to point out where I've spent over a hundred pounds on a collector's edition, and f- nearly four hundred quid is just too much. I mean, this is it. The most I've ever spent was two hundred and thirty, I think it was, for a WWE one, and that came with. The game, all the DLC, which was going to be like another 50-odd quid. Some of the bits and bobs that I can't actually remember, but then a piece of the ring from the night Hulk Hogan came back to WWE. And I know they probably got like a 1,000 pieces, because it's only a little square and the rings are obviously quite big. But for me, that's something that you'll not get an opportunity to get again. Oh, it was the one that came with the one of the Funkos behind me, actually. The NWO Hulk Hogan one, I think it was. And that Funko alone is now worth like 250, 300 quid because you could only get it through that special edition. So that one's covered its own back, I would say. But yeah, that's that was my top end. And I ummed and ahed about that. But I was I got to the point where I was like, I, I buy about four games a year now, religiously. And this is one of them. So why not spend a little bit more on it and get all the cool stuff that I want? Looking at the other stuff, FC24 is up there because it's practically, well, say practically it is the last year's game we've talked about this before and i've written an article on zatu if you want to go and look for it search for my name and fc24 zatu and it'll come up but basically every year people say fifa's the same as last year and they're just charging you 40 quid or 50 quid for a new set of players at each team and i always disagree because there's always a new one so there's something in it in the gameplay where it feels a bit different or they add in a change to a mode that makes it different enough that you can sort of warrant paying it this year there's nothing new as far as i can tell the it controls the same it plays the same they've put in some rubbish about how you can train your team in career mode which it didn't need and and doesn't really make it any more fun and that's about it so for me that's why i've put that in in this category because this year, I do feel like they are charging you exactly the same thing for the same game as last year with a different name on it because they've had to rebrand it. And I still bought it, and I still play it every night, pretty much. That's my go-to game. So I can't really slate it that much, but I do think it was overpriced. AEW Fight Forever, same. It's probably like a, a 25-quid game at max, and it was I got the special edition that should have been 85 quid. Again, a digital special edition. And I've probably got about a tenner's worth of play out of it because I played it to review it, finished it, never went back on it again. They've since released this really weird battle royale mode for it that's a bit like Fortnite, but with wrestlers, it looks really bizarre. I've not got involved in that. So for me, that was ridiculously overpriced. Spider-Man 2 we've put on there because I think as of this video, if you want to get a copy off Amazon, it's 85 quid. And I don't know if that's people shilling it or whether it's... That is the actual RRP, but that is ridiculous for any game, any as good or bad as they are. Particularly considering it doesn't look like it's a massive graphical step on from Miles Morales, mm. which was DLC-sized, really. And it doesn't look much better than the original Spider-Man for the PS4. Granted, there have been some slight graphical tweaks here and there, and it's got Venom in it, which obviously just comic book nerds of which i stand proud um <laughs> will will literally pay anything for carnage and venom but 85 quid for a game 
I think it's fair to say as well that, and I know it's it's not necessarily a negative point that some people have been making out. It's not a long game, which the positive side of that is they haven't padded it out with fetch work and and busying mm. yourself and all that rubbish. But for eighty five quid for a game that's what twenty hours, I think you can finish it in twenty hours or something like that. That's not a lot for your money when it doesn't even have much replay value either. And I think that's probably why it's on on the list. Whether anyone's actually paid eighty five quid for it, I don't know. But that is what it is selling at on Amazon at the minute. And as far as I can see, it's not a third party seller. It is just Amazon selling it for that price. Sonic Origins, I won't go into again. You've heard that one. <laughs> and uh, Metal Gear Collection. <laughs> <laughs> Do we really need to revisit this? To be fair, it was fifty quid. We saw it online when it was first sort of announced, ish, and it was twenty three, twenty four quid, and we were like, "Oh, we'll buy that." Uh, that's that looks pretty good. Neither of us have played a Metal Gear game in like over a decade, so get that. That looks good. It, it then disappeared off most online stores to then rear its hideously ugly head at 50 quid and then to look at it even on like the playstation store where it's actual screen grabs of the games and to just go that's a ps1 graphic and they've done nothing to it so what they've done is they've peeled it out of old ps1 discs slapped them all together onto one disc and then gone oh by the way this is only volume one so we're going to get volume two that's going to be the same price and is going to contain what i can only assume to be metal gear 4 and the revengeance probably the god awful one that they did last year year before oh yeah it's depressing The winner is Metal Gear. <laughs> for all the reasons Eddie just stated and more, it's just too much for what it is. It, if they'd done a really good job of it, it'd be too much for what it is. But they haven't. They haven't even gone to the effort of making it good. So that that explains itself. I think I don't think we need to go into any more on that one. We will move swiftly on right after a word from our sponsors. Hey you. The boss sent me. We heard you like to play games. Now normally, we wouldn't suggest playing games with people like us. People who do usually end up swimming with the fishes. You know what I mean? But if you're talking about the family, a two to four player crime themed elimination game from Mayfly Games, then maybe you're making us an offer we can't refuse. So don't be a wise guy and head over to MayflyGames.com now to get your copy. And we're back, and yes, we are sponsored by The Family, a mafia-style board game for two to four players. So if you're interested, you won't get it before Christmas now, obviously, because Christmas is tomorrow, but you can, I think, still take advantage of the discount until Boxing Day, so it's still a tenner until Boxing Day, and it will come for the new year, and I promise you'll have fun with it. On to the next category, and again, I will hand over to Eddie for this special award. Yeah, so we've uh, we've chosen a bit of a curveball. So we've gone for something we've uh, jokingly called a game-changer award. So this is for those games that have done something a bit different or that have shaken up their own sort of franchise's formula a little bit. 
um, outside of what you'd normally expect with a new iteration or a new generation of that particular game. And the nominees are Mario Wonder, Dead Space, and Trombone Champ for the Switch. Yes. Again, caveat, because it actually came out earlier for other systems, but the game change itself is in the Switch version, so it makes sense to include it. Ooh, I won't talk about Trombone Champ too much, because I've already done that quite a lot on this uh, on this podcast, but it's such a fun game. You can't help but laugh when you play this game. It just it, It's just like pure joy in a game. There's no... I mean, there are frustrating bits if you try the harder songs, but even then... The more you go wrong, the more fun it is. So it's not even a problem so much. And yeah, the game changer is that rather than using your mouse and going up and down, you actually control it with the it's the motion sensitivity, I think, isn't it, in the Wiimotes. Yeah. So you lift it and you actually conduct like a conductor with the the uh, with a baton in your hand, which is, is so much more fun than using a mouse that's been inverted as much fun as that already was so yeah they really changed it up to make it console friendly and they've done it in a brilliant way and and i just love it i think it is one of my absolute favorites (laughs) and again it's something that i've watched videos of and just been in absolute stitches laughing at because if you hit a bum note it is for for what it is, it is one of the funniest things, and it's one of the simplest things. Just someone hitting a bum note, you'd hear it in an actual orchestra and go, "Oh, that was awful." But this, it's just got such good comedy timing for it. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's why we included that one. Um, Mario Wonder explains itself really. It's very new to what the 2D Mario formula has been for a long time. I mean, this Mario Wonder to what we've had for the past, what, 10 years now in 2D Marios is essentially what Mario 1 to our Mario 2 was. It's that different in how they've changed it and made it better. So some stuff stays the same, but yeah, they've, they've really gone to town with Mario Wonder, and I think that's evident. When you play it, it is they've changed it so much, so that's why that gets into the the game changer. For Dead Space, I, I wanted to kind of bring it up because it's done something a little bit out of the ordinary um, in terms of a horror game, really. And it's not just that it's a judged up version of the game. So in Hogwarts Legacy, you, there are settings where you can change if you're an arachnophobe and it will literally just replace the enemies and just you won't have spider enemies if you tick the arachnophobe thing because obviously it it's not a particularly nice thing to do i mean i have a overwhelming fear of sharks and deep water uh, which is why i never play stuff like subnautica and i i don't think they should have a setting in there specifically for me to just remove the deep water and remove <laughs> the sharks cuz what's the point in the game but dead space for a horror game has been quite sensible and quite thoughtful of its audience so i think it's quite aware very self-aware that not everyone enjoys having the shit scared out of them a lot of people do suffer with stuff like ptsd and they do suffer with particularly subjects around suicide which there is a lot of in dead space and a lot of people have sort of paralyzing fear when it comes to like surgery and and 
limb removal and stuff like that. And Dead Space has a massive, massive suite of settings where you can say, I have PTSD, I do not want to see scenes of self-harm or suicide and stuff like that. And it just a sort of enables people to still experience Dead Space in all its horrifying glory without those subject areas that make you not want to carry on playing outside of the crippling dread of being stuck on a space station surrounded by things designed to eat you. How does it take them out then? Does it just blur them or does it completely remove dialogue and... It removes dialogue, it removes cutscenes, it removes the models. So some of them are in sort of in-game cutscenes. There's, there's one where a guy... Because obviously the, the marker in Dead Space drives you to suicide or to kill other people so that it can fulfil its plan of unification sort of thing. And there are a lot of like live vivisection things. It's very gory and quite graphic in a couple of areas and obviously a lot of people kill themselves and stuff like that and it just removes those bits or you sort of walk in and you won't have a cutscene where you would normally have a cutscene and it just removes text, collectible text and um, sort of the sound bites that you get just completely removes them. And again, you can change the settings for certain levels of mood and ambience and not just the brightness settings on your screen you can change it so that it's less oppressive basically and less horrifying so if you do still want to experience it while still having a little bit of scare in there with the jump scares and stuff like that and not give yourself nightmares or relive those past events that have traumatized you so much then dead space has catered for you just gonna say can you turn the jump scares off so I might be interested no. if you could do that. <laughs> just, just, just like story <laughs> mode, and you don't have to fight anything. <laughs> yeah. You just walk from room to room. Yeah, turn it into a walking sim. <laughs> so it's an it's an accessibility it is, change. Yeah. Basically, it makes it more accessible for people that wouldn't normally be predisposed to playing games with those themes and and whatnot. Yeah. Which I think is a always a positive if you can do that without affecting players who want the full experience which is exactly what they've done so i will hand it over to you to announce the winner and the winner's dead space for all the reasons i've just mentioned either of the other two could have been up there as winners because again trombone champ being released for something other than pc is is quite a game changer in and of itself you it is hard you are hard pressed to find decent rhythm games these days particularly ones that directly involve a musical instrument so that again is is up there and mario wonder like you said it is a massive change to 2d mario's mostly in the fact that it's not um (laughs) and and it's actually good i believe they call it yeah (laughs) Yeah, where we've just had churned out repeats of Mario, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers Wii, Super Mario 3D World, Super Mario 3D World Wii U version, and it's just gone on and on and on, and none of them have been particularly good. Here's the same game, but it's Luigi, and then yeah. this one, you've got to collect a load of coins for no apparent reason, which defeats the object of having them in the game. And Yeah, it's just nice yeah. to have something where they've... It feels like they've put effort in. They've not just gone to the last game and gone, right, redesign it Mario Maker style, the level, and then just slap it back out again with the same worlds, the same themes, everything. 
and just people will pay for it. So yeah, that was a, a nice little little game changer from them because as much as I'd have loved a new 3D one, an Odyssey 2 or something completely new, when Wonder first got announced, it's no secret that I wasn't a fan. When we first did that, um, was it the Nintendo um, Direct yeah. episode and we talked about it? Yeah, I weren't impressed, but actually playing it, it is really good. And we got the chance to play it three-player, didn't we? And it is just carnage, but yes. in the best possible way. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, it is a brilliant a brilliant game in the series, but I think Dead Space is the deserved winner for everything Eddie's just said. It just Anytime you can make a game more appealing to more people without ruining it for other people is a step that I think you should be taking and, and I hope more games look to incorporate that because some stuff, I, the Hogwarts legacy thing for me is a bit, eh, you've been a bit of a baby. If, if you can't Santa see a spider on a screen where you can kill it and they're not particularly difficult to kill either, no. then, I mean, yeah, fair enough, you want to turn them off, but that just seems a bit, but then this where it is people who are affected by, I mean, I hate spiders. I can't stand spiders. They're Probably my biggest, apart from claustrophobia and stopping breathing, spiders are like my biggest fear. And Hogwarts Legacy didn't bother me in the slightest because it's on a screen and it's not going to be able to come out of it and get me. So, But when you're suffering with PTSD or like you say, you've been triggered by something in the past and you're actively going to avoid that game because you can't bear to, to think about those situations, the fact that there's a toggle switch to turn them off is just a fantastic thing to do for people. It just shows a lot of thought and care for the community that are going to be playing it. And I suppose same with the spiders thing, really. Maybe I'm being a bit mean, but I just I think this is a step above that. And I hope more games that potentially deal with stuff like this consider doing it if they can, and it doesn't add any detriment to the game for everyone else. But moving on to the next category, I've actually got a good one for a change. So we have got, and you might think, why are we going with this? now (laughs) but we are going with the best game of 2023 which isn't our last category which most award shows would put last the candidates we've got are hogwarts legacy wwe 2k23 mario wonder legend of zelda tears of the kingdom and resident evil 4 remake let's just clarify that because resident evil 4 definitely didn't come out in 2023 hogwarts legacy I think we've said enough nice things about that over the course of the year, but if you haven't heard any of those, it's just a good, solid game, I think is the best way to put it. It's not really got many glitches to it. It's fun. It's huge. There's a lot of fun to be had, even if you don't do the main mission, but then the main mission's quite well written, and they've done a good job of segregating it from Harry Potter, even though it's set in the same universe. Yeah, that's the one negative I've got of it, because it's set so far back. You don't get any familiarity with most of the characters. I think there's a couple, aren't there, that yeah. that have lineage, maybe. So you're not seeing their direct like descendants and stuff. But and the ghosts, I think, because like nearly headless Nick and stuff's still in it. So you get that tie in. But I would have personally liked it if we'd have got a bit more of the Harry Potter coming into it. However, the fact they've set it so far before means they've got free reign to do whatever they want, and it's not going to have to tie into the Harry Potter canon and all that kind of thing. Good choice. Just a genuinely good game. Mario Wonder, we've already pretty much covered that. It's a bit of a resurgence of the series. They've done something different. There's genuine effort in it, I think, which is nice to see rather than it being phoned in. 
WWE, this year's WWE game has taken a step on from last year's, which was a really good entry. It, it They completely fell off at one point, and I think it was 2K20 was absolute garbage to the point where they didn't make one the year after. And everyone thought, oh, no, they're stopping making wrestling games. But what they actually did is 2K went away and rebuilt it ground up for two years rather than you getting this churned out game every year. And then 22 was good, 23 is even better. Still lots of stuff in it that they could improve on, but you can see that moving in the right direction, and I think that's always nice to see. And then, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. I'll leave that one for you to sing the praises of because I've still not played it yet. It's it's one of those big hitters of the year, and, and I can see now why... Nintendo made the very savvy choice to move it from last year, where its competitor would have been Elden Ring, where it would have probably had its arse kicked, to this year where it was a bit more of an even playing field for Nintendo, given the the massive leap in architecture for PS5, Xbox, and the Switch. But it is it, it's one of those games that you when you describe it as Breath of the Wild, but now they've added in crafting to it you do sort of go oh is that all they've done but when you <laughs> but when you're 40 hours in and you've made yourself a, a essentially a dune buggy that spits fire and lasers out of the simplest little pieces of like world geometry that you can just pick up and with your sort of phantom hand and just glue them all together and then just charge around the countryside as long as you've got battery power just mowing down moblins and there have been some fantastic um youtube videos where you see people that have properly invested time into it and they've built just walking death machines and taken out like the the highest level bosses in the game with a platform with about 40 laser turrets inexpertly glued onto it. They've just whacked it with a stick and it's just lasered the shit out of this massive <laughs> dragon. And then it's like, oh, well, that's that's a bit of a different way of doing it. Whereas Breath of the Wild, you had the open world where you could go straight to the last boss if you wanted to. Whereas mm. this, it's like it's given you that freedom of... You, you probably do need to spend a bit more time in the world le- picking up all these different abilities and stuff like that, but when you are overpowered, Jesus, are you overpowered. So we'd be remiss not to put a game where you can build a 40-foot cock and balls out of wood and have it <laughs> spray those little... What are they called? Those little creatures? <laughs> the Koroks. The Koroks. Out, out of the tip of it when you hit it with a stick. How could we not put that in best game of 2023 category? <laughs> So, we we would have got some some stick if we hadn't. And then Resident Evil Four, which we've not mentioned much this episode so far, but just such a solid remake of a, an already amazing game. Yeah, we we played it together, didn't we? The only game we've played together this year, actually, and it was so much that that day absolutely flew because we got so much fun out of it, and there's so many little bits where we thought we knew what was happening, and then they've changed it just enough for us to not know what was happening. And and bits like that were just so fun to rediscover something we thought we knew so well. But then also, the bits where we did know it, we felt like real experts, because we were going around finding all those little blue target things, and we're like, yeah, we know where they are. And then 
just one random bit that sticks in my mind where we're like, yeah, we've wiped everybody out in this bit. You just turn around and this chainsaw bloke was there just locked your head off immediately. It's like, he wasn't in the old one. Where's he come from? <laughs> so, yeah, a solid, solid remake that that is close to our hearts anyway. So it, it yeah. had to be in here. It's Resident Evil 4, obviously. Congratulations! Yeah, there's there's not much more you can say to it, really, is there? It, it's, it's just well so deserved. good. Yeah, it, it really is. And it, I t- I've still not finished it myself because I've I've been trying to collect everything as I've gone through rather than just getting through it. So I've been upgrading all my weapons and going around and collecting every collectible. And I'm close to the end, but I'm, I've not quite had time to finish it. But I've enjoyed it so much. And they've managed to make the locations which were horrifying in the original even worse in in the remake. I even Because the castle's quite ornate, isn't it? And in, in, yeah. the, in the original, it didn't have that massive sense of dread once you get into the like dining room and stuff and it just looks really nice. But in this, it isn't. It's really like I got the fear going into rooms where I knew there weren't going to be any enemies in there. Like that dining room, for example, there's just like grotesque paintings on the walls and it's in there and it's, they've just really gone that extra mile. And then the suits of armour that come after you and rather than in previous games where you can kill them quite easily in this, they're like nearly impossible, some of them, unless you've got specific weapons and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's just a great game done even better, I think. I think if I got the choice to play either now, I would always go with the remake, and I can't say that about many games, I don't think. Yeah, when, when they first announced it, I was hugely concerned that they were going to make it like Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3, judge it up, lose the the B-movie camp monologues that you get, and you it'd sort of go with modern sensibilities, um, because obviously it's modern gaming, so it has to be serious, it has to be gritty, and it has lost a bit of that B-movie camp edge to it, because pe- the bad guys don't phone you up to to criticise your hairdo and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But it's still got a midget dressed like Napoleon in it, which <laughs> you'd think one of the first things to go would be that. But no, no, they were perfectly happy to keep um, Salazar. Not just a midget dressed as Napoleon, a midget dressed as Napoleon that you can kill with an egg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is bizarre. Like You'd think that would go straight away, like you say, but yeah, it is brilliant. And... Not only, like you said, worried with Resi 2 and 3, especially 3, where they cut so mm. much of the game out. They could have easily done that for this, but they've actually put more game in. There's yeah. the whole bit where you're going around the lake in the speedboat that none of those environments were in the original, were they? So they've added all these extra bits in to explore. So yeah, fantastic game and, and thoroughly deserving of best game of 2023, in my opinion. So the next category, a bit of a strange one. Most popular episode of Bucketless Gamers. We get stats of all our episodes to tell us how many people are listening, where they're listening from, when they're listening, what platform they're listening on, blah, 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 blah. And most of it we don't really pay attention to, apart from seeing that it's ticking over every so often. And as long as people are still listening, we're happy. Even if it's only a couple of people a day listening to a few old episodes, we're still happy about it. But we decided what we thought were the four most popular episodes before we actually checked. And we thought they were Pokemon Gold and Silver, 
Resident Evil 4, the Nintendo Expo episode, and Skyrim. And that wasn't the case <laughs> in the end. But we, we picked them because we thought Pokemon Gold and Silver is the first ever episode we did. We both shared it on various social platforms and told our friends, etc. And our friends were very supportive and all went and listened to it, even though they're probably not that interested in it. So we thought that'll have done really well because people have been nice, essentially. And then they'll have dropped off gradually and, and we'll get to where we are now. The Resi 4 one, just because we did it when Resi 4 released. So we thought, oh, we might get a little bit of that search engine riz from people typing in Resident <laughs> Evil 4. <laughs> Nintendo Expo, same reason. We did it at the time of the Nintendo Expo and we thought people might be searching for it. And then Skyrim, because we thought it was a big game and a decent episode, but not the case. And (laughs) I will reveal the episode that did receive the most listens. To be the Grand Theft Auto episode. Which I I didn't think that episode was very good at all. I thought we did really poorly on that episode. I, I didn't enjoy it. So if which is a bit annoying because that's been listened to by far and away the most. So if that's people's first impressions, they probably won't listen to anymore. But I don't know what it is. Maybe the search engine terms or the naming on it or something has really connected on that episode, and it's had double the amount of listens to the next episode in line, and. It has been listened to in about 40-odd countries, I think, <laughs> bizarrely, and still to this day gets the most listens. Like Unless we release a new episode, that is the one that still gets the most listens. It's just a bit bizarre. And then following that, Pokemon Gold and Silver, so we were right on that one. And then Majora's Mask, but that was the second episode we did, so it sort of makes sense again that the worst episode, bizarrely, was the Nintendo Expo one, which we thought was really good <laughs> and we enjoyed doing. I guess you can't judge. Thank you for everyone that's listened. Most of the people that's listened to the GTA one haven't listened to all the others by the look of the numbers, but there you go. Hopefully a couple of people have heard it and thought we weren't talking a load of old rubbish and might have listened to a few more. And Another great time to just say thank you to everyone for listening because... We're amazed at the numbers we've done in this first year, even though they're not particularly high by a lot of people's standards for us, who thought we were going to get maybe two or three listens each episode. We're over the moon with it. So, yeah, thank you again. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it's not even like the GTA one was particularly vitriolic. No. (laughs) It must be search terms, or it must be the title of it, because I put all the games in the title. Ah. So I'm wondering if it's just getting picked up on us. or It's either that or somebody has put a link somewhere on the internet that we're not aware of. I don't know. Maybe it's something on Reddit where they're like, listen to these two idiots and (laughs) and everyone's clicking it and listening to it. I don't know. But if anybody does know why that episode's received so many listens in comparison to all the others, please do let us know on Facebook or Instagram because we ain't got a clue. Um, And don't judge us by that episode because, as I say, I don't think it's a particularly good one. (laughs) So... um, yeah, thanks for listening anyway. And that brings us to our final category of the show, which I will pass over to Eddie. And it's obvious why we've picked this as the final category. You might have noticed what we've not done yet, so I will let Eddie explain. 
Well, speaking of vitriol, it's it's in keeping with our general grumpy demeanour towards most video games that we have saved the worst game of 2023 until last. Most people like to celebrate what we've achieved in gaming as a year, whereas we like to look back and kick the shit out of stuff that isn't even worth the disc space it was carved onto. So this category's nominations are, not surprisingly, The Walking Dead Destinies, Kong, you may notice a theme in terms of uh, <laughs> creative direction here. Gollum, Bluey the Video Game, Metal Gear Solid Remastered, The Arkham Trilogy for the Switch, and Kingpin Remastered. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that in some way they're all winners and losers. <laughs> yeah, we're the losers for having to sit through most of them. But yeah, I mean, we've talked... If you want to know my views on The Walking Dead Destinies, go and listen to last week's episode, because half of it is me just talking about how bad that game is, and I'm still not quite over the fact that I played it. And part of me wants to play it again with someone else, just so they can experience my misery, and I don't have to go through it on my own. But it's it's just out-and-out bad. And yeah, for me, personally... If Eddie's opinions weren't taken into account and nothing else, this would be the worst game of 2023 and forevermore onwards because I don't think anything is ever going to get worse than this game that I will play anyway. Not not for a AAA game anyway. So, yeah, I just... I don't know where to begin on that one. Kong, again, same issues, but with a franchise I'm less fond of, so I'm not quite as angry about that one, but only just... <laughs> And then yeah, Gollum, same again. I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly offended by Gollum because I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan. But if I was, I would be outraged by this game because it is atrocious in every respect. Same as, same as The Walking Dead. The it controls terribly. The it looks awful. I mean, it. Not only does it not look like a modern console game, it's uglier than a lot of like PS One games are as well. The graphic style they've gone for is ugly to start off with, and then they've done it no favours either. It glitches all over the place. There's just no, again, no redeeming features for that one. Bluey? Do you want to say Bluey? <laughs> just to pick up on what you said about Gollum, we would, when we sat down to discuss these uh, categories and the potential candidates for execution in this uh, sort of case, um, we did say... Well, we were both discussing the fact that based on like Shadows of Mordor, Shadows of War, and all sort of other Lord of the Rings games that spun off from the films and stuff like that, they were all blokes in armour with swords and longbows and stuff like that. And whose creative idea it was to go, you know the little weedy bloke <laughs> whose only redeeming feature is getting burned to death at the end of the third film? Let's make a video game about him. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, this is it. They they like teased it, didn't they? In um, Shadows of Mordor, he's 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 in that yeah. one, in the especially the first. I don't know if he's in the second one. He's in the first one a fair bit. You follow him around and stuff, don't you? And I think people got really excited that he was in it because there weren't really any other Lord of the Rings characters in that game, with it being set 
like Hogwarts Legacy and Harry Potter sort of thing. It's set in a different area, isn't it? And you don't get these crossover characters, but he's in it. And I think a lot of people got excited about that and were online were like, oh, yeah, Gollum. And I don't know if somebody somewhere were like, they're going mental for Gollum, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, ob- they obviously love Gollum. They Let's give them what they want and make this Gollum game. And I don't think they understood that that wasn't why people were excited to see him. No. And like you say, he's got nothing going for him. It's not even like he gets this like superhuman strength when he's not got his precious, is it? He's just he's still <laughs> weedy and you can still just knock him off. He's just an irritant. Yeah. So to put that in a game and make him the protagonist, I mean, I haven't played it. I've just watched a few videos, but I assume it's stealth-based, is it? Because yeah. that's all he's got. He's got to stay in the shadows. So an awful concept for a game all round. And then executed even worse than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't get much better with the rest of the list, to be fair, because Bluey, um, we put on here... <laughs> Neither of us have played this. Uh, I just want to emphasise that point. But it's the fact that neither of us can work out who it's aimed at. <laughs> Because it's obviously Bluey, the he's Australian, isn't he? The dog. I try and find out as little about Bluey as I can because having no kids or any sort of young relatives, I don't really want to know about Bluey. No, but it bad. comes up on my Facebook feed all the time about these people who search for. I don't. And this is a real tangent here, and if anyone out there knows what it is, more pity you. It comes up all the time, I've found my first long dog, and then there's a picture of a TV screen. And I, I don't really want to know what it is. I think in Bluey there's these like long dogs hidden in the background of certain shots, and these people have got their own Facebook group to locate these things. And I've never once shown any interest in Bluey <laughs> or long dogs or any of this stuff, but it keeps coming up as suggested for me that I join this group. And no matter what I do, it won't go away. And the thing is, because I'm scrolling through and it, it catches my attention, I'm like, why is this here again? Because my finger stops scrolling, Facebook's algorithm obviously goes, oh, he's interested in that. And then I see even more of it. So it's this like endless, vicious circle of bluey posts that keep coming. And that I don't want it because if anyone ever looks at my Facebook on my phone, they're going to think <laughs> I'm up to something I'm not. And this isn't me protesting too much. I'm genuinely just not interested in bluey. So I try and, and my phone's sat here now, so I'm probably going to be inundated with bluey stuff now because it's heard me say it about 200 times. The problem with this game is it's aimed, obviously, quite obviously aimed at kids, but it's so broken that kids won't be able to play it without wondering what the hell is going on. And the only people that will understand that it's glitches and, and won't be bothered by it are adults, but then adults won't want to play this game because it is paint-by-numbers the game, essentially. It's so straightforward and basic. So it it boils down to what we said last week and tying into the next game. Are they paying people to test these games? And if they are paying people to test these games, are they ignoring them when they come to them and go, it's completely broken? Do they then just go, ah, publish it anyway. We'll sort it. Don't worry about it. We've got this deadline to hit. Put it out. Make a bit of money off poor innocent people that will buy it anyway. And then we'll fix it later if we can be bothered. And if it doesn't sell very well, we won't waste any time fixing it. And it just it's wrong. It is fundamentally wrong. You wouldn't get away with that in hardly any other industry. No. Like can can you imagine if you like went and bought a sofa 
and then you went to sit on it and it like it had a big spring that shot you into the ceiling every time you sat down. <laughs> and you rang up and went, yeah, the sofa, I can't sit on it. And they're like, oh, we might get around to fixing it soon. Just put up with it for now. It just it wouldn't happen, would it? Yeah, same with films. It's not like you get halfway through a film and like halfway through Toy Story and the artist forgot to fill in like Woody <laughs> and he's just like this hideous pair of dismembered eyeballs in the middle of the screen. And they're just like, oh, it's fine. We'll patch it in later. It's fine. It's fine. When the DVD release comes out, it'll be complete. Oh, thanks for that. It's just wrong on every level. And to tie in nicely to the Arkham trilogy, we talked about this last week, so we won't cover it too much, but it's just unplayable, unplayable nonsense that <laughs> of a game, and that's what makes it worse than Bluey. At least Bluey is a game that they've made now in the present yeah. for this console. This is a game from 2011 or something. It's over 10 years old, and they can't make it run smoothly on new hardware. Where they've already got it running smoothly on new hardware elsewhere, is it's yeah. just so many annoying things about this Arkham one that... I don't know. It just it angers me that they think it's fair to even put these games out. I'm assuming that there is a overwhelming majority of people that would probably say that it's because of the architecture that it mm. is moving from disc to cartridge is is just too much for some development companies to make that sort of get their head round right. Okay, I'm not doing it for this. I'm doing it for this, and it, but in that case, don't do not do it. No yeah. one was clamouring for an Arkham re- <laughs> trilogy re-release in 2023. Nobody. Either A, don't do it, or B, go and find someone that can and yeah. get their help if that's what you really want to do. It's just not fair on people in this day and age, especially when money is so tight, to put something out there. And I know we're in the age where you can Google it first and go, oh, yeah, this isn't worth me spending money on. But that's not how grandparents work, for example, is it? No. If if they, oh, my, my so-and-so's got a Switch and he loves Batman, so I'm going to buy him this. And then this poor kid opens this game on Christmas morning, can't play it because it needs to download a 50-gig patch. And then when he comes to play it after the 50-gig patch, it's still unplayable. And he's like, oh, thanks, Grandma. Get me some socks next year, please, or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that's what I don't like about it. It's it's the same, and this again tangent, and we're running out of time. It's the same as these movies where they rip off famous movies, like that Ratatouille and stuff like that, where <laughs> they make the cover look so close to the real film, but not. And I think there's a panda one in there that's like a kung yeah. panda rip off, but it's terrible. And they put these out in shops specifically at Christmas for old people to go. Oh my kid loves animated i'm gonna get in these and then the poor kid has to sit through this god awful thing i mean if you've never seen ratatouille go and find somebody watching it on youtube because it is horrifically bad and there's loads of them and i just i think it's mean and it preys on people who are, don't know any better and are just trying to do a nice thing yeah and they're the people that get caught out by this stuff and yeah look it's like true gamers again in inverted quotes or people who know what they're doing will ultimately research it and go i'm not buying that yet because it's it's terrible in its current state but then you get mums dads 
grandmas, granddads who want to get their kids something nice at Christmas and don't think that a company will put out a game that is unplayable on a system that their child might have, and then that's when they get suckered in. And I know I've said the same point about 200 times over the last two episodes, but I just think it's so wrong. And it needs someone needs to do something about it. And it, like I say, you can't even go, well, don't buy it then. And then they'll get the message because there are people out there who will buy it not knowing any better, and that's the problem. You've, they're targeting those people almost. And if they're not, they're doing it by proxy. And it just, yeah, it's wrong. But moving on, because we are faster in our time, opposite end of the spectrum, the Kingpin thing. In fact, no, sorry, Metal Gear Solid first, isn't it? Which we've already talked about <laughs> and covered off. But yeah, to to put out a game that is three games from over 10 years ago now, all of them, I think. We're pushing 20, I think. Yeah, 2000, 2004, 2005, was it? Snake Eater. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're looking at nearly 20, uh, 20 years for the newest game on that trilogy. To put them out, and charge six fifty quid is wrong anyway, but to put them out in the state they've put them out and charge <laughs> fifty quid is even worse. And then Kingpin, which is just a bit of a we put it in there because we couldn't not, but it's a bit of a disaster. But it's it's a little bit smaller scale than the rest, isn't it? In that they've only released it on Steam, and it's just been a bit of a disaster because it's no, it's worse than the original game was that was like <laughs> twenty years old. I've watched people playing it, and it it doesn't look much better. It doesn't play as well. They've made weird choices. So, first scene in Kingpin, you're walking down an alley, and there's two homeless guys with a jukebox playing um, like a, a rap band that are in the game, and they did a lot of the music for it as well. And their music's playing on this stereo, and as you start the game, you can hear it. As you walk towards it, you can hear it playing off this stereo, and it, it sets the atmosphere really well. In this remake, you can't hear it, and at first you think, oh, they've took it out. But no, it's just almost silent until your head is next to the jukebox, and then you can almost just hear it muted in the background. I think it's Cypress Hill. It might be Cypress Hill that have done the music and they're in the game and stuff. So, yeah, they've just really messed up. That's just one example of how they've messed up this remaster. Like The flamethrower flames, you can't see if you shoot that gun because it just glares the whole screen and you can't see what's happening. So they've messed that up, and it... The other thing that they messed up was on the promotional campaign. I think I told you this the other day. When we first watched it, we were like, well, they show you a bit of footage from the original game and the remaster, and they look identical. And we initially said, well, they've not done anything. It looks exactly the same. The problem was, when they put that video reel together, they used clips from the last remaster and this rather than the original. <laughs> so obviously it didn't look any different because they'd not really changed anything. <laughs> so that was a bit of a blunder on their part and that's why we put it in here really it's just a little bit of fun but it, it just hasn't gone well for them and you are genuinely better going and playing the original Kingpin game or anything else never a good thing when you release a remaster <laughs> that the original should be better and more fun to play oh god but without further ado because we are nearly pushing 1 hour 40 I will let any reveal the winner of our final category, Worst Game of 2023. It's Metal Gear Solid. I, 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 there's, there's, 
I, there's no getting around it. You shouldn't charge. When you compare it to the Tomb Raider remaster that they've done of Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3, where they have visibly put some effort in to smoothing Lara Croft, making her look like a person now rather than a polygon with tits, <laughs> and you can and they've charged 30 quid for it. I think it's £27 or something like that for a boxed physical copy of it. Mm. And you look at this and go... Why are you charging us 50 quid for this, Konami? And then you sort of go, oh, and it's volume one as well, which means they're going to fleece us again this time next year when people have bought this. They've made it look actively worse. Like the the little stills of Metal Gear 1, it looks like Snake's got like, they've polished his face. So he looks like a ghost. Like he doesn't have any features, does he? His his face is like a mannequin's face. And it's, it didn't look that bad in the PlayStation, but it was angular. And this is smooth, so I suppose you've made that change. But it just looks horrible. And, yeah, I just... If that had come out in its current state at 25 quid, I'd have been like, mm, it's probably a little bit much for what you've actually done to them. But for 50 quid, to not put any effort in, or whatever effort you've put in, it's not worked. And to then, yeah, spit it out and go, here you go, 50 quid, please. I mean, they could have honestly looked at that game and gone, oh, we can't do this. We we need to set this at like 25 quid and just bite the bullet because people aren't going to pay 50 quid for this. And they didn't. They just held their own. I mean, I don't know what it's down to. Has it come down at all? Or is it still... Let me have a look on Amazon. You take over and, and slag it off a little bit while I have a look. It's, it's like Konami haven't learned from Metal Gear Ground Zeroes and Metal Gear 5 Phantom Pain, where they chopped off the first 20 minutes of their game and went, oh, we'll sell this for 50 quid, and just got nothing but ire off the fans. And they went, oh, jeez, probably best make it a freebie on next month's PS Plus, and um, we'll we'll knock the price on every other console down to 20 quid. Haven't learnt from that. They carry on and do Silent Hill pachinko machines instead of Silent Hills, they sack Kojima, and then they do that thing with the bloody Metal Gear Survive, where it just what everybody wanted from a stealth action game, where you had a crafting survival game that was shit, but no, didn't learn from it and went, I know what we'll do, this will appease the fans. The original three games that they've not played in over 20 years, but we'll charge them 50 quid for it. Just as an aside, Skull Island Rise of Kong can currently be got, be got for as low as seventeen ninety nine, <laughs> down from its original 40 So that's dropped considerably, incredibly quickly, which is only fair. Let's have a look at the Metal Gear Solid Master... It's not the Master Collection, is it? Or is it the Master yeah, Collection? Yeah, it is Master Collection. Yes, it is. Forty eight ninety nine still on Amazon oh, for PS5. Two quid down. 45 on Xbox and 42 on Switch, which I can't imagine is a fun time on Switch. No. And I mean, I mean, this is even pairing it off against the fact that Bluey had its own version of the Xbox console made. So they, they released a Bluey edition Xbox console to go along with the crap game. And this this has just come out on top as worse. I mean, yeah, Bluey... It deserves to be up there for what it is, but it's not as... Because it didn't have the market to start with, I suppose. No. It's not as heinous as this. Although they are still charging 33 quid for Bluey, I've just checked. So, Jesus Christ. That is a bit bit much, isn't it? 
I can't find the console for sale anywhere. When you look that you can get Super Mario Brothers Wonder for thirty nine and Bluey is thirty two, and a kid probably could play Wonder just as easily as they could play Bluey. Yeah. The choice is is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think we missed a trick with one of them for overpriced because we've got the Star Wars Heritage Pack for the Switch as well, which is Ooh. Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, I've 2, seen this. Jedi Academy, Jedi Academy Two, Force Unleashed, which is a shit game anyway. Republic Commando and Star Wars Racer. So seven games. But that, too, has had no work done to it at all. They all look exactly the same as when they were first released, and it's 60 quid. Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? But I suppose at least that's less than a tenner a game. <laughs> yeah. If if you're looking at it that way. And they all play properly, from what I've heard. They just, they're not, they're not improved. They just, I don't know, maybe we should have. I mean, you'll notice, absent from this whole episode, apart from one mentioned earlier on with Starfield, we just didn't think it fit in any category. I mean, it's not... It's good, but I don't think it's good enough to be in best games of the year. And it's not bad in any... It's not had game-breaking glitches or anything to be included in the worst games of the year. The collector's edition wasn't actually that expensive for what you got, because you got a watch and a nice little case and everything. So yeah, Starfield just uneventful really it it didn't disappoint like atomic heart did but it didn't blow us away like resident evil 4 and, and some of the others so that's why it's absent good game but just not not quite making it onto any which i suppose isn't the worst thing given over half of our categories were negative <laughs> you you'd take not getting a mention wouldn't you i suppose in that, yeah, in that suppose. situation um, but we we don't want to leave this on a sour note, so we will say thank you to our patrons one last time this year. We have got in the couple of coins tier Harry Flynn and Lee. In the bucket kicker tier, we've got Rick Flair, formerly known as Dino Dini, and the Sweaty Llama. And then in the Avatarnish tier, we've got Atropos. If you'd like to become a patron and support our show, you can go to patreon.com slash bucketlessgamers and sign up to one of the tiers on there. Any of the tiers help us out. Anything Bucket Kicker and above, you will get the additional content we keep threatening to put on there and haven't had time to yet. But I guarantee in the new year there will be an episode going up in the early half of January, because I have got it half edited already. We're going to be recording a few more things. We're going to potentially do videos and all that business. So, yeah, it would really help us out as well, because our costs have gone up recently. We might have mentioned that, I don't know. But it does allow us to do things like this. Which we're going to keep doing. (laughs) There you go, yeah, goes to Christmas, past, present, future whatever you want to look at, but it, it fits. It was Halloween initially, but I'm reticent to delete it because it's become a bit of a staple of the podcast now. So yeah, thank you to you guys for supporting us, anyone who's considering supporting us, everyone that's listened this year. We never thought when we started in February we'd potentially still be going by December, never mind having an awards show episode that we came up with a couple of hours before we did it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we we we've nearly finished the list as well, which I think is good going in the space of a year. Given there's hundred on there, and I know we've been a bit corner cutty with some of them, but I think we've we've given a, a fair representation to ninety percent of the ones we've done so far, and yeah. given them a chance. So we will finish that list off. As we, you probably heard us mention, we've got two more books to get through, so we're not running out of content anytime soon. 
But these kind of episodes we do really love doing because there's no pressure on us. We just talk shit for an hour and 45 minutes now, which I'm not looking forward to editing. But there you go. <laughs> I will try my best. Hopefully this is out on Christmas Eve and you've, you're you all listening to this as you sit there waiting for Santa to come and bring you your presents. But if it is Christmas Day, I hope you're having a great Christmas Day. And if it is now past Christmas, looking forward to the new year. Hope you had a great Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever all the other Kwanzaa or Kwanzaa Christmassy holidays holidays as we said on the last show yeah we hope you had a really good winter holiday and are looking forward to the new year which surely can't be as bad as the last one you would think so there's that to look forward to and until the new year I think we will now say that's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and once again thank you for all the support we've had this year we, we wouldn't do it if nobody was listening. So it really does mean a lot. Thank you. And Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. What, what's the Kwanzaa one? Kwanzaa. Merry, Merry Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.